0: And welcome to Film Couch, episode 4. In this episode, we're talking about Jojo Rabbit. I'm Joe, and on the other end of the couch there is Nicola. What's up, guys? Let's get into this. Heil Hitler. No, you're overthinking it. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Who's Hitler? Do you even speak German? Jojo Rabbit. I loved it. What did you think, Nicola? Did you like it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's what I would classify as a nice little movie. There we go. All right. See you next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nice little movie. It sounds kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> what's the word? What's the word? When you talk, kind of talk something down. Like condescending? Condes- yeah. Condescending. That's right. <laughs> sounds a little bit like that. A little bit patronizing. Um, yeah. So I take it you it wasn't as as good as the last couple of films that we've done for you. Ah, uh, let
1: me let me think. We had uh, Joker, Once Upon a Time, and Parasite. Parasite, above all, of course. Well, uh, no, I mean it was it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Uh I I didn't I I liked the the other movie that Taika Waititi did. Um, what are we do in the shadows. I like that one more though.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. It. What kind of film is that?
1: Uh, it would be categorized as what the as a mockumentary.
0: Ah, um, so Jojo Rabbit was fantastic for me. It was, it made me cry, it made me laugh, and I just thought it was great for so many reasons. So one of the reasons, uh, and this is just one of the, one of the small reasons I think, is uh, Taika Waititi, um, you know, being the director and also playing the part as, uh, you know, Hitler, uh, um, Jojo's imaginary friend. That's not a hell. This is a hell, hell. I thought that was really good. And and you know what? Let me tell you something. When I saw the trailers for Jojo Rabbit and I saw it was this, you know, satirical comedy about Nazi Germany, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. That just, that's a bad idea. Um, And Mimi convinced me to watch it and i'm so glad i did cuz something that you you you've seen a lot of monty python right
1: i've seen some yeah
0: yeah um it's i think in a way there are a lot of scenes that are similar to monty python maybe not scenes specifically but the the idea of mm-hmm. putting these kind of heavy topics like you know nazi germany making them funny or, or, or not making them funny but uh, Showing them or portraying them with a, with a touch of comedy um, mm-hmm. is kind of Monty Python, and and Ty, I think it's um, it's it was either Taika Waititi or Stephen Merchant who said who made that reference to Monty Python themselves. And now they said that I can see it. But yeah, he
1: he has a a very particular uh, sense of humor, and uh, you could even see it like in his big Hollywood outings, which I would consider this to be one of them. I mean, not as big as like a Marvel movie, but. Yeah, he he definitely has a very particular flavor,
0: and yep. uh, is there a plane? No. <laughs> 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 right. I might keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> <We should laughs> just that all, awkward little bit. pause, yeah. Just for <laughs> yeah. Me, just just to give a bit of context to to you guys listening. Uh, sometimes you know we we live in a noisy country, and <laughs> and if there's you know dogs barking outside or a plane passing overhead, we just stop. And that's a cue for me to kind of cut that out when I'm editing. <laughs> but I think yeah. there we just... <laughs> I think I thought there was a plane for you, so we stopped. <laughs> but there wasn't a plane, so it was awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah. I mean, just so everyone knows, we, we, we're not actually in a studio or anything. We're, we're literally on a couch. So
0: <laughs> anything can be passing by at any moment. Exactly. So um, yes, his his style of comedy is really funny. And uh, do you know what? I think um, there's another actor in that film who also has. To me, he's one of the most underrated people in in the world. He's funny and he's so smart, and he really does, I think, have his finger on on the pulse of um, kind of contemporary comedy. And you know that is in Jojo. Yeah. Ah. Um, I don't know, you're referring to Stephen Merchant or what's Sam Rockwell? No, no, Stephen Merchant. I mean, yeah. Sam Sam Rockwell, He's I really like him as an actor. And I saw him recently, mm-hmm. after not seeing him for a long time, I think I can only remember him being in um, Green Mile, right? Damn, that's a um, long time ago. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember anything after that. But I saw him again in, um, uh, is it called Robert Jewell? Richard Jewell. Um,
1: ah, yeah, that was fairly recent.
0: You you yeah, seen yeah. that? Yeah, I saw it at the cinema. Was it's it really any good? good. Yeah, huh. yeah, it's really good. Um, it's another it's another tearjerker for sure, and uh, yeah, Sam's good in that as well. Um, Sam Rockwell. So yeah, Stephen Merchant. I love Stephen Merchant, and if, if there's any British people out there listening, my love for Stephen Merchant comes from um, his Friendship with Ricky Gervais and particularly from the old XFM radio days. And there's, uh, I don't even know how many hours you can find on YouTube of Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, and Carl Pilkington talking on old XFM radio broadcasts. And then shortly after that, because, you know, because they enjoyed it, I'm not sure if it was so popular their relationship, but they uh, did a podcast and it's just so funny. And Stephen Merchant is just a, a little gem in that trio. It's not as talked about as Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkinson, but Stephen Merchant is my favourite of the three. I think is really funny. Anyway, uh he was great in in JoJo Rabbit. I loved his portrayal of the um the Gestapo officer person.
1: Particularly that scene, the one where they go and inspect the house. That was really well done.
0: Yeah, my favourite scene. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. <laughs> 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 yeah. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Captain Hermann Dietz of the Falkenheim Gestapo. With me, Herr Müller, Herr Juncker, Herr Klump and Herr Forsch. I love the quick
1: cuts as well. That was Yes. I mean for a comedic effect. Yeah, the guy has a He's he's developed
0: that very well. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. That was Heil really good. Yeah, I love that. Um there's there's a little uh, video on YouTube, but it's uh, Taika Watiti and Stephen Merchant, and they they kind of break that scene down. Um, and do you know, do you know the part where Stephen Merchant walks over to um, what's his name to uh, Captain uh Sam Rock played by Sam Rockwell, uh-huh. and is kind of stood over him and is really tall and intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's actually Stephen Merchant is really tall, but he's also yeah. stood on a box in that scene. Oh really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, because uh, I remember I remember that shot, and it was just he was just grotesquely tall. I mean, I know yeah. he's tall, but I was like, is Sam Rockwell that short as well?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, great scene. And Ta- Taika Waititi said something about um, Stephen Merchant's character, which I thought was uh, pr- pretty pretty true. Um, he's kind of he used the word buffoonish. He's quite buffoonish, uh-huh. but he's also intimidating in kind of a really eerie, creepy way. Because you know he's the Gestapo in Nazi Germany, and mm-hmm. the Gestapo back then they could just you know click the fingers and have people wiped out. Um, yeah. And that combined with this little um, buffoonish personality that he has is oddly creepy. You know?
1: Yeah, he he plays that pretty well, and he's a. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm not I'm not like. Beating down on Stephen Merchant because I mean he's technically not like an, I mean well, he was in the office right? Um, like, did he, he act in the office or he was? He just had like a, a writer? brief
0: brief appearance in the office, but mostly he just co-wrote it.
1: Yeah, I mean because he he would be like the type of person that like doesn't necessarily have like a lot of range as an actor, but I mean you cast him for specific roles because you know he can play that like very well. I I, I yeah. know him from uh, I don't know if you know the the Valve games uh, Portal. I know yeah. from uh, Portal 2 cuz he lent his he lent his voice to uh to one of the characters and he did that great I mean that was that was really great. Yeah. But again it was a character you were like yeah he he can play that specific type of character you know sort of like not monotone but I mean he has like this little I mean this this type of charm in his voice. Uh that yeah. might sound yeah. like he's
0: jesting all the time. He does it's that, that really well. Southwestern England kind of Cornwall, Devon, Bristol kind of accent that he has. I'm not sure if you know much about the connotations of regional accents in England, but his accent is what we'd call like a, probably um, stereotypically and unfairly, what we'd call a a farmer's accent. Really? Yeah, it's the kind of person that, you know, um, rides the tractors and sells cider on my combine (laughs) harvester, a little bit like that. Or, or pirates. Ah, so he would be
1: like, uh, hmm. like the UK's equivalent to like Larry the Cable Guy or something like that.
0: <laughs> something like that.
1: I mean, I don't know. To be honest with you, yeah, I'm, I'm completely completely in the blue in, in those sort of like regional accents in the UK, or in, in in I guess in England to be more specific. So,
0: but he has great comedic time in Stephen Merchant as well. And one thing that is in, and you you mentioned his range as an actor. Something that kind of upsets me. And this was evident when they, even when they did the podcasts and the radio shows back in the day, is mm-hmm. Stephen Merchant is a little bit left behind, even though he contributed massively to Ricky Gervais's success. Um, he's left behind in on that whole fame train because Ricky Gervais is obviously massive and super super rich now. Yeah, Stephen Merchant is nowhere near as big, uh, probably nowhere near as rich. Um. But he, Ricky Gervais doesn't have range as an actor. He always plays the same character. If you've seen the newest thing he did, uh, not Life's Too Short, the one after that.
1: He comes out with a lot of things,
0: right? Yeah. I've seen a bunch
1: of stuff in Netflix, that I've like never even heard of, and I mean it's pretty recent, so.
0: Yeah, and he he always plays the same guy. This kind of tragic guy from um, where is it from? From Reading or or something like that. Same accent, Mm -hmm. doesn't change, same kind of personality. And to me, pretty much everything that Ricky Gervais has ever ever done hasn't impressed me much. Um, Mm. But he did this uh, TV show back in um, early 2000, I guess, called Extras. And he played the role of an extra, like an actor who worked as an extra. And Stephen Merchant was his agent. So Stephen Merchant plays his agent in this. And to me... Well, f- for me, Stephen Merchant is the best thing about that whole TV series because it's uh, it's great. His his, uh, his comedic timing is just fantastic. Getting a bit getting a bit sidetracked, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it won best adapted screenplay because it was obviously based uh, based on *Cajun Skies*, the book by Christine Lunan. Um, have you read it by any chance? Uh no
1: I didn't have to re- I I didn't get a chance to read any of the novels uh that were nominated I mean that were adapted and and, mm-hmm. and thus um uh, like provided the the movies that were nominated for that specific award yeah uh, although I I really did enjoy The Irishman and uh Steve Salian's sort of like I I wouldn't say like a veteran but I mean he's he's like pretty well known and and uh he's he's written a lot of things over the years uh, like too much acclaim, so yeah. I mean, and again, I, I really like the movie, and I actually thought that one was going to win. I did not expect the Jojo Rabbit prize at all.
0: Ah, oh, you thought Irishman was going to win Best Adapted Screenplay?
1: Uh, at least from all the ones that were nominated, yeah. I mean, what what, what else was nominated? I think it was Joker, which I I I I thought was a little ludicrous to be honest with you, because uh, I mean, yeah. One thing is if you adapt a novel. Maybe another thing could be like if you adapt a story. Uh, but uh. But adapting, uh, like, I mean, it's, it's a character. I mean, it's an already existing character, but he pretty much, I mean, created the whole backstory for him. I mean, yeah, influence from comics here and there, you know, but uh, th- sometimes it's a little weird the, the way the Academy works. But I guess they nominated yeah. Joker for adapted
0: screenplay. So Yeah. um, I, I actually didn't know that Irishman wasn't like Scorsese's um, brainchild. I didn't know it was from a book. Uh,
1: yeah, it's from a book. I mean one of the things that has like disappointed me a bit about Scorsese over the years is that he doesn't have like much input in his screenplays, uh, as he did like in his early movies. Now, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's a phenomenal director and all, you know, yeah. but, uh, he, he just sort of like has, you know, for hire. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in this chance, I think it was like Robert De Niro who told him there's this great novel about, you know, this character, uh, Frank Sheehan. And, uh, Frank Sheehan? Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, uh, yes. and you know, look into it and the guy was like, yeah, that's great. So, you know, they commissioned an actual screenwriter to write the, the screenplay.
0: I haven't finished Irishman. It's really long. I, I watched half of it and I realized when I was halfway through, um, I kind of said to myself, I, I don't think I'm connecting the dots right here. Like, I need to start this again and, and pay more attention. Because um, I was really tired when I was watching it and I was laid down and that's, mm-hmm. you know, bad combo. Uh, started falling asleep and couldn't. It kept it,
1: it kept is a attention. very long movie, and I the idea of putting it on Netflix kind of backfired. I think it should have been a, uh, like a theater experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I think so. Yeah, I, do I, you know what? If if I would have gone to the theater and watched it, I I would have been better off. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still a commitment. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go sit in this theater for like four hours, but you know, I'm doing it, and I'm just, I'm not gonna walk out. I'm not gonna go to the bathroom, you know? i I'm, I'm gonna watch yeah. the whole thing. And it's it's a harder commitment to make, you know, when you have like the when you're comfortable in your house on the sofa, you know, you go get a drink, go get some food, maybe you stop it, you play later, and then you wa- keep on watching it another day. So I I really think that kind of I don't know what to say backfired, but I don't think it was the right medium for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you've got your phone as well. If you've got your phone at, you know, yeah. at hand, you're just gonna get distracted. Yeah. So <laughs> We've talked about four different films. We haven't talked much about Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Are you trying to distract me because you didn't like it that much? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, I did enjoy it, man. I I did. I I, I like Taika Waititi. Yeah, yeah. Funny guy, funny guy. Amazing um, um, portrayal of, you know, comedic portrayal of uh, of Hitler. And there there were these, you know, glimpses. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about, you know going to get serious here and talk about what i loved about jojo rabbit um you have this kid and he begins to question his own beliefs throughout the the duration of the film he begins to question his own beliefs and motives which ultimately scrutinizes the beliefs and motives of of, you know millions of german citizens at that time uh, Mm -hmm. during nazi germany and what what i think was kind of an eye-opener for what would have been an eye opener for these people, and should be an eye opener for people today, is that all it really took um, for him to put, you know, his beliefs to question was mm-hmm. just to be in- encouraged to look at things from a more objective standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that was Elsa, the Jewish girl um, hiding in his house, who helped him, you know, get there. Um, and I think this theme. Or, this lesson is something that, if you think about it, it can be carried and applied as far back into the past and as far forward into the future as you can imagine, and also in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is, it's easy to believe that something is right and moral and something is the way it is, if not only if you live in a culture or a society where that's what is thought to be, but also if you're told mm-hmm. enough times that that, it, that, that is right and moral yeah and that brings me to my question to you propaganda so propaganda played a huge huge part in you know both both the first and the second world wars mm-hmm. and propaganda was definitively posters you know you if, if you did um at least in the UK, when I did GCSE uh, history, you, you do a lot on propaganda, and you see these posters all the time. Do you, do you think propaganda still exists? I mean, to a varying degree, I I I I, I
1: really agree with uh, with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's comments in the sense that Facebook is is pretty much just an evolution of that, more than it is like an actual effective means of communication between people. Or as, as proper a way as Mark Zuckerberg would like to put it, yeah, I think I think, <laughs> I think that's basically propaganda in modern times.
0: Yeah, it's a political medium. That's what it is.
1: And uh, and yeah, I mean we're, we're 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 we we continue to see like the effects of that nowadays. I mean I I don't know how long it will take for proper investigation or the results of a proper investigation to come from uh from the whole uh, meddling of of Russia into the into the US elections but um mm-hmm. it's it's nothing that's vanished uh in the passing of the years or uh i guess in this in this new century so yeah it's, it's, just, it's just i guess another yeah
0: it's mutated it's it's become something much uglier i think yeah and and when you think about it as well you know if you if if we could like transport ourselves back to um you know the 19 the early 1940s and mm-hmm. What's What people often don't realise about history when they look at history and study history, like Nazi Germany, for example, we now see it as this huge event and we can define the dates of when it started, when it ended and, you know, what happened. But mm-hmm. back then, um, and, and this is kind of, this is really communicated well in the film to me, back then people didn't know what, how much of a big deal it was, how, mm-hmm. um, how it was going to end. You, yep. get, you get this idea the whole time that, you know, you're kind of in there with them. You're, you're kind of with Germany to a point, whereas you, you're with the characters and you want, you know, these characters to live. <clears throat> and you think, you know that the war's not going to go well for Germany. And you get to see that happen and you get to see the kind of, oh, no, we were wrong. This is not how we thought it would turn out. Um, and, yeah, my, my, my point is when you when you – if you look at now, is there going to be, you know, in a hundred years from now, people are going to say, yeah, from the year 2000 to around the year two thousand and uh, twenty-three, we call that the, uh, the mm-hmm. we call those the Facebook years. <laughs> and, and this is when, Mark, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, this evil guy, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't people do anything? No, people actually um, thought it was a good thing. And it, I think it shows you, you know, back then, a lot of people ask, why didn't, more people stand up to nazi germany to them it was normal to them it was their lives
1: yeah i mean uh, i mean one thing i'm afraid is that like it is sort of taking the the analogy out of context like as as a, like as a propaganda machine and uh, sort of like a uh as a system for governments organizations uh to use and uh, and exploit uh, and and i guess thereby manipulate people to a very large extent y- yeah i i would say the analogy applies uh very thoroughly to that but uh as far as it having like any uh like catastrophic implications as much as as much as like uh propaganda had back in uh in like nineteen thirties nineteen forties i mean no, because I don't, I don't know if, I mean, no, definitely there, there's not been like anything close to the Holocaust that's been, uh, sort of, that this has served as like the catalyst for, uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know if like many years from now, people will necessarily say that, uh, what is happening though, gradually, uh, I, I, is, uh, that people are hopefully, uh, sort of becoming more aware of of the influence that this platform can have and uh, the negative yeah. influence that it can have uh, in, in in many, uh, I guess, in many respects to just politics and uh, privacy in general.
0: Yeah, privacy is a big thing. The selling of data. And, you know, I think propaganda exists largely in a place where not many people think too much about. Um, China. Mm-hmm. China is a pretty dark place, man. Especially mm-hmm. right now, you know the the, the today's February twenty third, and mm-hmm. the coronavirus is still going strong. Um, you know, you get you get these people who say it's just like a common cold or the common cold or the flu uh, kills more people, and it's not to be taken seriously. But I think people should really really be aware and, and and read up on it and take a look at what's really going on um, it's to date it's definitely worse than the 2003 2004 SARS outbreak which also happened mm-hmm. in China and killed thousands of people uh, and this is worse and and the point the the propaganda link here is um, I don't I don't want to use this podcast to kind of uh, speak spurt um political bias uh comments but a lot of people there's there's a big controversy about it all now because a lot of people in china are are recording videos of them saying Mm -hmm. that the government is lying the government is saying it's you know everything's fine they've got it under control um, and they're burning bodies 24 hours a day in in wuhan which is the epicenter of the outbreak um and just to, to cut a long, you know, I could talk, I could do a, a whole podcast on the coronavirus because it's pretty close to me. But um, just to cut a long story short, it's kind of this this idea that the the government can almost control the minds of the people and and tell them um, or make it make it look like they have their you know their citizens believing or, or following them with certain things. But you're always going to have the people who are kind of woke to that. Um, which <laughs> let's go a little bit, a little bit more lighthearted here, which brings me to Scarlett Johansson's character, who was against the whole regime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of left you in a, 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 a rough spot there. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say about. I mean, I liked her performance. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about performance or the like the use of a, the use of a character which is i don't know if it's if it's been like overdone now but uh of like a german character in a world war Two movie who uh is you know the like the, the person to root for you know they're they're obviously against the whole idea uh I mean, it, it sort of brings me back to my point of n- I like the film, but uh, I'm always wary of, of um. I'm always wary of movies that depict uh, events such as this one in a light-hearted manner, and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily going to the idea of like when I saw the trailer, saying no, no I'm not gonna watch this because I you know I, I find it like an insult. I mean, in, in, it, it's not an insult in any way, but uh. It, I think it might be like a, like a, like a sort of, um, like a flashback, a very unpleasant one, to this movie that came out in the '90s. Um, it was pretty big back then. It was called uh, "Life is Wonderful." I think. Oh, no, am, am wow. I thinking of uh, "A Beautiful A Beautiful Life"? i I forgot the name of it. Yeah, Your I name think in it's cool. is, uh Life is beautiful. Yeah, life is beautiful. Sorry, a wonderful life or well, the other thing I was thinking. I think it was a Frank Capra movie. Yeah. Life is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's not the same story, of course. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same idea. And um, I'm always kind of wary with that. I have a friend who, who, uh, <laughs> who classified like, the type of character in that movie, not in Jojo. Uh, you know, the, the character played by Roberto Benigni. And he says, like, it, it's the idea of, like, the clown who thinks he has, like, the recipe to save the world. And uh, and <laughs> that's why I said I'm I'm always kind of wary of those type of stories.
0: Um, why 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 is he the clown that thinks he has a recipe to save the world? I think in in Life is Beautiful he knows what he knows the fate of everything. He just wants to make the journey less awful for his kid. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's 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 precisely the the like that's precisely the not the narrative arc, but that's the use of the character in the story to be mm. sort of like this uh you know like this uh this person who guides his child through like the horrors of war
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh just gives it like a very lighthearted um like facade and uh yeah. i mean i'm not saying that maybe it's just because i'm the type of person who sort of like uh i'm not cringes but doesn't find like those stories appealing again not because i don't think you can see these type of stories as like horrendous as they might be under like a comedic aspect i think you can but I, i've always thought that maybe these type of stories if you're gonna do them as a com- if you're gonna do them as a comedy they work better like as a dark comedy uh i, I always like refer back to like one of my favorite examples which is uh, the uh dr strangelove which deals with like the horrors of uh of like nuclear holocaust and uh, like the mm. Like the the big scare of you know like the the nuclear bomb back in the back in like the the era of the Cold War, but uh, it, it's it's maybe a different type of comedy that I think that does it best. Um, however, yeah, no, th-
0: this didn't make me cringe that much as like Life is Beautiful. Um, Wait a minute, why do I don't get it? Yeah. Why did Life is Beautiful make you cringe? <laughs> it's just those type of stories. I don't know why they. I find them like. Uh, You think it's, you think it's like a, like a cop out, like it's an easy kind of puller of heartstrings? I mean, yeah, they're,
1: all art is manipulative, all right, all art in any sense is manipulative, but I think those movies are like manipulative, but not in, in, maybe not in, in, in the way that that I personally think is, uh, is, uh, I guess beneficial to good art, uh. That's cold man. <coughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean yeah, usually in these type of movies, you know, the director pulls a lot of strings, you know, to make you uh, to make you feel uh uh I don't know, make make you feel attached to certain characters or make you feel uh it, it was a uh, I mean definitely uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to make this brief, but there's a a very famous comment that Stanley Kubrick made when he watched uh, Schindler's List. Yeah. Because he's always wanted to make a Holocaust movie. He always wanted, sorry, because he's dead now. Uh, He never got the chance to. And uh, when he saw Schindler's List, I mean, um, he probably liked it. He was friends with Spielberg. But uh, somebody asked him, like, you know, that was a... Somebody mentioned that that was like a a Holocaust movie. And he said, uh, no, that's not a Holocaust movie. Because the Holocaust was about 6 million Jews being exterminated. That's about 6,000 Jews uh, surviving. So that's uh, that's like a, a movie about success. That's not a movie about the Holocaust, and that's sort of like the same um, maybe like idea I usually see these things in I mean yeah it's um, there's no issue with showing in you know, like a comedic or uh or like funny aspect especially because you know the guy's lampooning a lot of these things and um but but maybe again that might just be a a, a matter of like personal taste
0: yeah I think you're heartless <laughs> 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 no no i i can I, I can see your point. I think um, I haven't seen Doctor Strange Love, so I guess I'd have to watch that to fully understand your perspective. But yeah, I loved I loved Life Is Beautiful. I think just as much as I loved this film because it was very, like you said, yeah, very similar. the The narrative of this was uh, a, a little different, not so different. I mean, I mean, uh, this is this is going to sound horrible, but I think I would have preferred um for jojo to have died in the film (laughs) i i just called you cold and heartless but (laughs) um i think kind of (laughs) kind of for the same reasons kind of you know on the same vein as uh, as what you were saying um it, it does turn it into a bit of a success story when it wasn't initially kind of you know going that way when when is when is that scene where he's um he's walking in in the streets of germany and it just pans i can't remember if it pans out or pans to the left a little and you see you know his mom's um feet dangling in the air with her shoes on yeah uh, after being hanged that scene for me was super powerful uh I had to. Whenever I want to cry in the cinema, I just kind of lock up. I don't want to cry. And you know, often I go with uh, with my with my wife and my stepdaughter, with uh, Mimi and Andrea. And uh, they, I feel like they look at me because they want to see if I'm crying or not. And I'm just like mm-hmm, just holding it all. Like I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> and and hold it, in. and that, yeah, especially after a film, ah, oh, because these kinds of films always end on such dramatic scores, and the music just makes me want to just curl up and just cry until I feel better. But I'm walking out, and they ask me, "What did you think?" And I'm just like, "Yep." Mm-hmm. Ask <laughs> me in five. Ask me in five minutes. <laughs> Cause I can't do it, man. I Can't do it. It, it kills me, and I don't want it, It's like if it starts, it's gonna be. It's gonna be strong. It's not gonna be a t- one single tear rolling down. You know, it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I tried to cover that up. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that scene was powerful. But yeah, I think it would have been a bit bit more dramatic and a bit more kind of. Um, it would have hit home a little bit more, I think, if the kid had died. Because, yeah, like you said, it is mm-hmm. kind of a success story in the end. You know, this hero, he loses uh, loses his mom, but in the end he lives. And I think people should have been shown, those who, you know, don't know the severity of, of what it was like back then, should have shown that there was no mercy, you know, on either sides of the war. He should have died. His, uh, his mate, his chubby little friend should have died. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man, you're vicious, dude. <laughs> But that's it. I would have not killed Gorky, though. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I, would, I wouldn't want to to kill him, but I would like to watch him die. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I just um, I think it would have been a bit more realistic to see. Yeah, a- again, no mercy. That's what it was like. And if you were unfortunate enough to have been born in this country, um, then yeah, that's that's how that's how politics uh decide your fate in the end yeah um so we mentioned what's his name yorkie i was yorkie i thought it was gorky he was adorable man you, you, you said porky it was gorky no <laughs> Dude, i can no no i think it, it was it was <laughs> it was yorkie but i think you you called him <laughs> you called him porky <laughs> no. No, that's blasphemy, man. I... <laughs> Why'd you call him Porky, man? I called him Gorky.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Gorky. It might have been written Gorky, but pronounced Yorky. <laughs>
0: but at no point did I call the kid Porky. Did you not? Well, I'll have to um, see when I edit. I'm, I'm, I'll play it again now. What? Did... Here we go. Let's edit it in. Um, what did Nicola say? Let's go back.
1: I would have not killed Gorky, though. Gorky. <laughs>
0: okay, I don't know if I was wrong or right yet,
1: but let's see. No, but the kid was adorable, man. He was uh, he was really cute. Yeah. Bye. Oh
0: my God, it's so hard to run in this
1: thing. I think he was he was uh, he was like part of the heart of the film as much as I would have thought it would be Jojo. He was uh, he was very endearing. Yeah. And uh, but but it, it it would bring me back to my favorite performance in a movie, which would be uh, Thomas and Mackenzie. I think the girl did a, a very good job, and I've seen her in and well, I've seen her in another thing. Which was Leave No Trace, and she was great in that as well. Yeah, she was pretty good in this. It's
0: Elsa, the the Jewish girl hiding in the home. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of tension, you know, the scenes that included her. A lot of tension built around that. I, I we we haven't sp- spoken much about Scarlett Johansson's performance, but I think she was really good as well. And and Sam Rockwell, I think they were all great. I think everyone in the film was great. Um, Rebel Wilson. I don't know. She always rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> her style of comedy was to me it didn't really fit this kind mm-hmm. of film. It's a bit too slapstick.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 not a big fan of her either. I mean, she was again. I don't think anyone did did badly in the movie, but she wouldn't be like my favorite character.
0: Yeah,
1: or my favorite portrayal.
0: Yeah. Oh, I tell you one thing. Um, I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. t- going away from. I don't know if I'm going away from what you were saying, but um, do you know going back to the scene where he sees his mom hanging? Yeah, I was kind of saying, stop grabbing her legs and pulling her down. Like, What's well, gonna, you know, he's gonna stretch her, he's gonna like decapitate <laughs> her or something. Didn't that, didn't that like make you cringe a little bit? Yeah, he was pulling pretty hard. You're
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she might be alive, man, and he's just
0: like, <laughs> really choking her to death. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oof. yeah. So Elsa, Elsa, the the character that was that was cool. Um, and did you notice? You probably got this. It wasn't as as uh, as hidden as you'd like most little, uh, mm-hmm. not Easter eggs, but you know most little things to be in films. But did you notice that um, when the Gestapo were raiding the house, she. Mm-hmm. Tried to guess the birthday. When when she said, "When's yeah. your birthday?" Looking at the ID card, and and uh, <laughs> the the captain, Klensendorf Sam Rockwell lied for her. You noticed that. Yeah. I was fourteen. Date of birth.
1: First of May. Nineteen twenty
0: nine. Correct. Thank you, Inga
1: that that was like another of like another thing that i found uh um i mean if there's anything that i would find hardly believable about a story like this uh <laughs> it would be something like that that uh there would be a character like that showing that type of clemency especially if he was like a like an ex-commander uh now like leader of like a Hitler youth camp but i mean it it again it it helps to serve the story you know that there are people who even within like this very ugly uh uh society uh-huh. who have decided to you know support this one very quote unquote charismatic leader uh that there are people you know who uh, who have a heart uh and and again there there are stories of, of you know people who have gone against the system that uh-huh. back then but someone like with this profile to have done that it it, it was that that was a little, um, I guess, m- more than truthful to the story. Really, just to serve like a specific purpose.
0: You think? Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you're kind of right. You know, it's rank and everything. But but I think there were definitely people who were in you know in the ranks who were just putting on a front, and you know secretly did want to be against the regime. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's. Uh, so I think you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's believable. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's you know the the you know the um, oh what's his name, the when JoJo's writing letters from, from the, he's writing these like fake the, letters
1: from the supposed like boyfriend of uh, of Elsa, right? Yeah,
0: that's cute. That was really cute. It it highlights. His innocence, and as much as he wants to be, you know, in the early stages of the film, as much as he wants to be, you know, a Jew killer, Nazi, um, you know, diligent Nazi, it shows that it's not really what he is, and he's just been, been, you know, his, his hands been forced a little bit by the propaganda that he uh, undergoes, and this is why I loved the idea. Of the imaginary Mm -hmm. friend, because I I don't think that was uh, for me. That's not like oh, this is you know Jojo, a strange little kid that has an imaginary friend. To me, that was the youth of Nazi Germany had this this you know Adolf Hitler kind of overbearing their lives um, through the propaganda and through everything that they had to live through. I think it was a good representation of the effects that the kind of psychological effects of of that and it's interesting to see him quickly change character and I think the fact that he was a, a, a funny guy um, I don't mm. think that was just a weird little twist they wanted to put in I think that they probably in you know in the in the in 1942 or whatever year they the propaganda probably to kids made him look like this kind of for lack of a better character, like a Ronald McDonald kind of, you know, fun um, guy just to appeal mm. to kids. So I think that was um, a good representation of what they went through.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think the kick in the balls was a little too much, though. <laughs> but uh, but I, I did like the, the little, uh, like the, the sort of, because it was kind of gradual, yeah. the transition of like Hitler's cartoonish... Uh, like amiable, you know, relationship with the kid and once he finds out the kid's sort of like drawing back from that, uh from uh from that like fanaticism, you know, he sort of becomes like a harsher figure.
0: Yeah. That was great. His little transitions into, you know, the Fuhrer, those those were really mm-hmm. good. And I think I think um Uh, Wow, did a good job impersonating Hitler as well in those moments. Germany depends on the passion of these young men, passion and the readiness to fall for the fatherland, despite the futile efforts of Allied war profiteers who send their ill-prepared armies clumsily into the lair of the wolf. And only zealous men who stand steadfast in the face of the enemy will be etched in German memory forever.
1: I guess I'd have to watch a couple of, of, of documentaries to see like how how close he's gotten, like the mannerisms and things like that. But I mean, it was it was it was. Uh, I don't I don't think he honestly like gave that much uh, like much thought or like I, I really doubt like he that was something he had in mind when like lampooning the character. Uh, I I really think the guy was just like yep. Yeah, make my eyes blue, like comb my hair to one side and put me, put on a mustache and, uh, and then, uh <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was, I don't think it was necessary uh, for him to do like any sort of like uh very serious interpretation of the character. Yeah. Cause, I mean, th- that's the idea when you, it, it, I mean, for the type of movie it is and the, 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 the character and the way he's portrayed and everything, it's, it's just kind of like a lampoon. I mean, everybody sees it automatically and, you're like, yeah, that's that's Hitler, you know.
0: Yeah. I, you make you make me feel like a bit of a bit of a weirdo, 'cause now I've uh, I've revealed that uh, <laughs> I know a lot about maybe Manson's char- uh, character uh, Manson's character and his uh, mannerisms and <laughs> now Hitler. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah I feel think... me you don't have you not happen to have any like propaganda in your room, do you? <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think he did. I think he did a, do a good job, and I think that he probably did do um, a nice little bit of research to try and get uh, Hitler's mannerisms down. Because I think it was a, such a shocking transition into the angry mm. Führer state. Um, I think he did it well. Really, I think he did seem it did come across to me as like, "Whoa, that looks that looks and sounds like Hitler." But what what do I know? What do I know? Um, I just want to kind of. End on, on the fact that it's it's a bit different to to the other films that we've done. I think it's more yeah. similar in a way to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because there's mm-hmm. less kind of um, analysis involved mm-hmm. on the viewer's side. It's more just a straightforward narrative and easy to follow. And you mm-hmm. know, I'm learning a little bit about myself on this podcast. I think that's the kind of film that I like to to watch. Um, a nice story that follows a linear narrative that's um, mm-hmm. properly told. But I also love Joker, and I don't like Parasite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll do a for a hundredth episode, man. We'll do a rewatch of Parasite and see um, like uh,
0: <laughs> see if well, your opinion uh, has just changed. Yeah, let's uh, let's see I, Should we rain check on rain check on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, next film we're gonna do. Um, do we want to tell them, or should we keep it keep it quiet? It's up to you, man. If you want, we can give a little tease. All right. Can you think of a way to tease it? I think you probably can because you've seen it, and I haven't. I mean, maybe not not necessarily a tease on on
1: what actual movie it is, just to sort of to sort of suggest that we're doing something very different. Yeah. And uh, in, in this case, it would be as as you mentioned before, it would be an animated film. Yep.
0: Ooh, the next film we're going to talk about is an animated film. Um, But it's not that one that you're thinking. I know you've got one in your head. It's not that. Anyway, say no more. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Again, you can uh, write into us any questions about film, about anything you want, about life, about whatever, Um, to filmcouchpodcast at gmail.com. I liked this one. Uh, Nicola also really likes it as well I think he likes it more than Parasite so thank you very much everyone Uh, (laughs) it is goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Nicola take care guys